Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Oh, good. It's good to see all of you here this bright Sunday morning, Palm Sunday. And we're going to go back in time to that first Palm Sunday this morning. But actually, we need to go a little farther back. So take your Bibles out and hold them up above your head because we're going to do a sword drill. And you know what? Palm Sunday doesn't begin on Palm Sunday. You might think, well, Palm Sunday is going to be in the Gospels. But um, we actually have to start before that. So put your Bibles up in the air, holding it by the spine. I'm going to give you a reference. Say it with me. Zechariah 9.9. Zechariah 9.9. Charge. All right, thank you. Did you all hear that? That is a proclamation to rejoice. And it's a prophecy. It was a prophecy that was made in the days of Zechariah several hundred years before Jesus was born. And you know, a lot of things happened since that prophecy. A lot of things happened. Jerusalem, we're learning about Jerusalem about to be destroyed in Bible Hour as we've been studying Jeremiah, aren't we? Well, Jerusalem gets destroyed, and then 70 years later, it gets rebuilt. And time goes by, and there's some peace. And you see here, it speaks of a king coming. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Well, you know, there was a time... We talk about in our Bibles, you know, we have Malachi as the last book of the Old Testament, right? Who can tell me what the first book of the New Testament is? Mm, let's see, the littlest person that's raising their hand. Who would that be? Oh, who would that be? I can't see. Oh, oh, Walter. What's the first book of the New Testament? Matthew, that's right. Well, between Malachi and Matthew, there are 400 years and some important events took place in those 400 years. And here we read this prophecy of a king coming to Jerusalem. Well, there was one time when Jerusalem wasn't a very nice place. It was having some hard times. And you know there was news of a king coming. A great and a mighty, a powerful king. And you know what? This king came riding into Jerusalem. And he was riding on a magnificent war horse, a great white stallion. And you know who the king was? Alexander the Great. You ever heard of him? He was the great and famous Greek king, and he was conquering the world. And when he came to Judea, everybody heard he was coming. And when he got on that great white stallion and started to come towards Jerusalem, news spread fast. The king is coming. The king is coming. But let me tell you, if we look here in our verse here in Zechariah 9.9, I'll tell you, he was not just. He did not have salvation. 
he actually brought oppression. You know what oppression means? To be pushed down, to be troubled, not salvation. Here, this king is spoken of as one who is lowly. Lowly means one who is humble and kind. Alexander the Great was not humble and kind. And here it says he would be riding upon an ass. An ass is a donkey. And upon a colt, the foal of an ass. That's a baby donkey or a very, very young donkey. Well, what's the difference? Well, Alexander the Great came riding in on a stallion, a horse. Well, in these days, when a king would go forth riding through his people or to his people, and if it was in peace, he would purposely not ride on a stallion. You know why? Because, you know, horses all the way from the days of Egypt and before were used in war. And so if a king climbed up on a horse to go someplace, he was going to war. But here it speaks of a donkey. When a king would go visit a city or a town in his kingdom and he was coming in peace, he would purposely not ride a horse lest the people think he was coming for war. And he would ride on an, an ass, a donkey, to visit that town or village. Alexander the Great knew this. And he very purposely chose to ride into Jerusalem that day on a stallion, a horse, not a donkey. You know why? Because he wanted everyone in Jerusalem to know, I'm the king, and I am conquering this city of Jerusalem. Now, there's been many battles at Jerusalem, hasn't there? Jerusalem has been besieged many times. So if you think maybe that the Jews in Jerusalem hearing that Alexander the Great is, is coming to Jerusalem and he's riding on a stallion, you think they're going to lock up the gates and close it up and barricade themselves in the city? Well, some people maybe thought about doing that, but that's not what they did. They had already seen Jerusalem destroyed and rebuilt. And... Um, when they saw Alexander the Great coming, they knew that he was the mighty king. He's called Alexander the Great because he was great. And he had been conquering the world. Nobody was surviving him. What was Jerusalem going to do? And so when they heard that he was coming, they didn't close the gates to the city. They went and they actually not only opened the little gates, they opened the big gates. And in fact, they went through the entire city and they opened all of the big gates. Wide open, they made the city. And they started to find out which route Alexander the Great was going to come in. And you know what? He was a smart king. He picked out the most prominent where everybody could see him coming. And he came riding into Jerusalem. And when he came riding into Jerusalem, all the people came out. And you know what they did? They cheered for him. Yay! It was about that week. Yay! I don't know how weak it was, but it was fake. They didn't like Alexander the Great, but they acted like they liked Alexander the Great. They acted like it because they didn't want Alexander the Great to crush them. And so when he came in on that great, mighty war horse, he came into the city, and you know who the first people to meet him were? All of the princes, all of the elders, all of the rulers, all of the priests. And they were all there in a huge group there. And when he rode in, 
on that war horse, the first thing they all did was bow to him. To the Alexander the Great. So did Alexander Great fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9? Yes or no? No. Because he was not a just king, he was not lowly, and he was riding on a war horse, not on a donkey. Well, you know what happened? Jerusalem, Judea, all of Israel, in fact, all of the world, was oppressed by Alexander the Great. It wasn't a good situation worldwide. You might know the history. Alexander the Great ended up dying. Some people say, legend, that um, he died so young because he had conquered everything there was to conquer, and he just died from just nothing to do. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, that's the legend. Alexander the Great conquered everything, and then he died. And all of his great empire, the Greek empire, collapsed. Well, remember, we have... Um, the image of Daniel, you guys all remember the image of Daniel? Some of you know the image of Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar saw in a dream. William's raising his hand. William, can you summarize the different metals in the image and what they symbolized? Very good, but you gotta, can't, you, when we summarize the image, you can't forget the last part of the image. What's the last part of the image? That's right, the great stone. What's that? The kingdom of God. Yes, yeah, so we have these kingdoms. The head of gold Nebuchadnezzar dreamed of, which is Babylon. Babylon's gone. Babylon's gone. They were replaced by the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians came right in to the Babylonian city and conquered it in one night. So the arms and the chest of silver, the Medes and the Persians, the kingdom. They had a great empire, and they ruled for some time. And then Alexander the Great, a Greek king, grained up in power, and the Medes and the Persians fell apart. Well, they kind of all kind of merged into each other. And then Alexander the Great, he died, and his empire was split up among his generals, and amongst, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good situation because there was another threat coming, if I hold this up, what kingdom, what nation, what empire do you think of? Well, I heard somebody say it. What do you think of? Rome. Yes, the Greeks had power. Alexander the Great was great. But as time went by, Rome came to power. Rome. And you know what? Rome wasn't much nicer than the Greeks. And very much so. The people of Judea felt themselves under the weight of the tyranny of Rome. Later on, you're going to see a Roman soldier. When he puts all of his armor on today, it weighs over 80 pounds. It's heavy. You take and you put his tent and you put all of his cooking gear and all of his food and you take that all together and you know what they Romans could do? How old are you, Nathan? You're 13? How would you like to take a pack that weighed 120 pounds or more and a Roman soldier to come say, hey, you, carry this a mile? 
you were 12 years old or older, any Roman soldier, any soldier, even the lowest peon soldier, could find anyone 12 years old or older and say, you carry my stuff. And you had to carry it. Rome was a cruel, cruel, cruel empire. And they too conquered the world. They conquered Jerusalem. And you know, the people very much so had a thought in mind. Oh, Hosanna. 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 You know what Hosanna means? Save. Save now. Save. Would you like for some guy to just come and knock on your door and say, hey, you, carry my stuff. And you don't move fast enough and he does this to you. That sound nice? Hosanna, Hosanna, save, save now. Zechariah 9.9 is a prophecy, a prophecy of a king who will come having Hosanna, having salvation. Does this look like something to be saved from? It sure does. Hosanna, Hosanna. Well, the Jews, they knew this prophecy. Zechariah 9, 9, look with me at it again. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Zion is speaking of the mountain that Jerusalem is built on. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Well, now we come to A.D. 33, 34, thereabouts, A.D. 30. Jesus has come. And if you lived in Jerusalem or you lived in Judea, you heard about Jesus. Jesus was that guy from uh, Nazareth who had been traveling all throughout the region, all through Galilee, even in Samaria, all throughout Judea, all throughout the nation. And he'd been teaching people God's ways. He's been teaching people things greater than the law. That's a pretty big deal for a Jew. He'd been healing people. You realize that throughout the entire kingdom at this time, how many of you know somebody who has a disease and is sick? Wow, you guys know people who aren't sick? I'd like to know you. I'd like to be one of your friends. We all know somebody who's sick, someone who has a disease, someone who has cancer, don't we? We all do. Well, if you lived in the Jerusalem, you lived in Israel at this time, that list of people would have been really small and in fact, uh, may not have actually been any because we find references about Jesus healing all the people and even healing people regardless of whether or not they believed in him. It's actually quite amazing, the records we read of. And here, this is spreading throughout the world. There is this Jesus who is a healer. And you know what? In those days, you could go to the temple and you could look up the genealogical records of every single Jew. Every single Jew had their genealogical records recorded in the temple. So if you wanted to know who somebody's great, 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 great granddad was, all you had to do was go to the temple and look it up. 
Well, if you went and you looked up the genealogical records of Jesus, you would have found out that he was a son of David. You would have found out that through his father who adopted him, Joseph. Now, most people didn't realize that Joseph had adopted him. They just assumed he was Joseph's son. But if you knew that he was virgin-born and his, was adopted by Joseph, his father, you would have been able to trace that line of his ancestors all the way back to a famous king. Anybody have any ideas who that famous king was? Oh, good, good. Nathan? David. That's right. And Jesus was a son of David. He was heir to the throne. Now, his dad was only a carpenter. You know, that's kind of was one of the lower jobs in society. Just a guy who built things out of stone or wood. And his son, though, wow, he's special. And do you know what? People hear Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. And there's a lot of different groups of people. There are some people who love Jesus. They think he's the great, greatest one. They're convinced that he is the fulfillment of of Zechariah 9.9. He's the king coming to them, just having salvation. But there's others who think he might be the fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9, but they don't want anything to do with him. They don't want anything to do with him because he threatens who they are. The chief priest describes the Pharisees. Well, one day, about this time of year, Jesus gathered two of his disciples. Can I have two disciples come on up here and help me? Two young men. I need two young men. Come on up here. I need you. Jesus one day was going to talk to two disciples, and he had a special job for them. Nobody's going to come help me. You guys all better get ready because I'm going to need lots of helpers today. Okay, here comes one. All right, guys, I need a helper. William's coming. Okay, Philip, you can help me out? And William's going to help me out. Jesus gathered two of his disciples, and he gave them a job. He told his disciples, I want you to go into the city, and you're going to go into the city, and you're going to find a donkey. And when you find that donkey, you untie him, and you bring him back to me. Well, and... These two guys are thinking, hmm. You ever been to somebody's house and gone somewhere and seen a donkey and just untied it and taken it and used it for your own thing? No, you never done that? You think you'd want to do that? That might be a little weird, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, so Jesus tells them, if anybody asks you why you're taking them, you just tell them that the Lord has need of it. And so these two guys are going to head off to Jerusalem. And so they start traveling through the, through the valley, down through, and they're heading to Jerusalem. Now this here, I wish were a more accurate picture of Jerusalem, but it's what we have. They're going to go to Jerusalem. Now to get to Jerusalem, they have to go down some hills and up some hills, and, and they're called mountains. And these two guys are heading to Jerusalem. So you guys you're going to go to Jerusalem, all right? Because you're going to go find this donkey. So you come, let's, let's imagine we're walking to Jerusalem. And it's, it's oh, maybe, maybe two miles about from where Jesus was at. And 
They are walking to Jerusalem. And you know, you all might be thinking, this is Palm Sunday. I know what happens on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is when they find a donkey. And Palm Sunday, that's the fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. Well, they go to Jerusalem, and you know what they find? Oh, guess what they find? They find a donkey. How many of you knew they were going to find a donkey? Oh, good. Of course you knew they were going to find a donkey, because Jesus said they were going to find a donkey. And so they find this donkey, and you know what? If we read the prophecy and we read all of the things between, you know what I think you found? I didn't think you found not just a donkey, but you found another little baby donkey. And so they untied both of these. And the reason why I think there were both of them is because the prophecy says that there was both the baby and the donkey. And so here you have this. And you're going to bring this donkey back to Jesus, okay? So you guys come back to Jesus. Meanwhile, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem as well. Bring, bring it, bring it. And, and they're coming along. You want to put it right here? Here these guys, they brought this donkey. And they brought it for Jesus. Well, you know what? You're all thinking, oh, this is a fulfillment of the prophecy. Do you think this is a fulfillment of the prophecy? You do? Philip does or one of the disciples does? Do you think one of the disciples thought it was a fulfillment of the prophecy? Oh, I'm glad Philip knows, but you know what? These guys didn't get it. They forgot about it. They forgot about what was that prophecy. They just were going along and getting the donkey, which they should have thought was weird because Jesus never went into Jerusalem before on a donkey. And so Jesus is up on this donkey. And you know what? Some people start to come. I need some helpers. Where are my helpers? Where are my helpers? Some helpers, come on up. Just get in the line. Come on up here and get in the line and come on up here and help me. Because everybody here is coming. Well, look at you. You're already even with gloves on. You think you're this little boy? Would you like to be this little boy? Will you hear about Jesus coming? You want to put him up there? And so, this little boy, he comes and he sees Jesus, and he hears about Jesus. You can go sit down over there. And, and there's more. There's more. There's this, there's this lady, and she comes. You want to put her here? She comes, and she starts to see Jesus coming. And you can go sit down over there. And, and not just women, there's also men. And look here. There were teenagers, too. Are you a teenager yet? <gasps> nope, not yet, but here, there we go. Oh, and there was another lady here. You put her up here. All these people start coming out. Oh, we've got men. Oh, let's see here. Who wants to be the little children? Oh, here. Let's come up here. We'll save faith for later. You want to be one of these little, whole group of little children. There we go. And, um, you know, I'm going to put this one here myself. And... We don't want to cover him up weird. Oh, we'll put this guy over here. He's watching what's going on here. And here you go, Faith. Put it here. All these people are coming. You, here, you hold that one. And there's this guy here. And we've got, we've got this guy here. And here you can put this lady up here. 
this guy up here. I, I think we've all run out of, run out of, run out, run out of um, space here in pieces. But stay here. Stay here. Here's what I want you to do. You see down here on the pews? You see all those? Can you guys all go pick one off of the pew there? All of you get one? And see here, Jesus, he's riding into Jerusalem here. And you know, it's a nice, pleasant day. The birdies are singing. I don't know what song this bird sings. And it's a bright day, and people are singing. And you know why these, they're cutting down these, these branches? You'll have to unloop them up, guys. Yeah, there you go. Here you go. William, can you help supervise this all? Here you go, Philip. Did you all get one? Oh, okay. Here now, you guys gather here on both sides and step on, and gather on these steps here, okay? And just imagine here, this is going on. You look up here at the boards, gather on these steps here, and look up here. And here this is going on, and Jesus, he's the one, you've heard the stories about him, right? He's the one who was healing people. In fact, maybe some of you were healed by Jesus. You've heard about Jesus healing lame people. You've, in fact, just in the last few weeks, did you hear? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus died, and Jesus rose him from the dead, brought him back to life. Does this sound like the one who's coming oh, with salvation? And some of you children, and, some, and all of you, it wasn't just kids. Everybody started coming out of Jerusalem and coming out of the villages and the towns that were around Jerusalem. And you know what? They were excited. When you guys are excited, you guys do fun things. How many of you guys do you guys see you guys sometimes back there and you're going in circles and you're running and you're singing? You guys like doing that? Well, that's what these kids were doing. And they had climbed up in the trees and they had cut down the branches, the palm branches. And you know what? They were waving them. And you know what they did with them then? They took them, and they were going to take some of them, and they were going to put them in the path here. So here, who wants to help me this? Who hadn't get to put one up here? You didn't. Here, you want to put that in that little girl's hand there? Yeah, she's got one there. You didn't get to do one here. You can put this one in her hand. Who else didn't get to do one? Here, you can put one on one of the children's hands. Did you get to do one? Here, you can go put one up on one of the... Pick somebody's hands. You can put them on somebody's hands. Oh, yes. See, they have these palm branches... And they're waving them. And you know what they're shouting? Hosanna. So that's all shouted. Hosanna. Hosanna. Wave your branches. Hosanna. Hosanna. Everybody together. Hosanna. Hosanna. And some were saying glory to God in the highest. Hosanna. Hosanna. Oh, it's an exciting day. Okay. I think, where's your palm branch? You, oh, you know, he, there were some people. <laughs> there were some people. I mean, we're excited. Hosanna, Hosanna. Everybody's cheering. Here, guys, follow me. Let's follow. Shout with me. Hosanna, Hosanna. Glory to God. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're going and they're cheering and they're shouting. But notice William back there. <laughs> he's following along, but he's not shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. 
Because you know there were some people who didn't like what they were seeing. They were seeing all of these kids shouting Hosanna and they were taking their palm branches and they were putting them down so that as the king rode by, he would ride on the palm branches and they would, they would take their clothes and they would take their clothes and, and to take and show honor. Now, we, we think, well, they might have used their clothes. They were getting ready to send to Goodwill. No, these were their good clothes and they'd put them out for Jesus on the donkey to ride. And they were shouting, Hosanna. Now, what's Hosanna mean? It means save, save, save us now from the Romans. Save us, save us now. Well, I told you there were some, I guess William's acting like some of those guys. You ever heard of the Pharisees? Do you want to be a Pharisee? Oh, you didn't sign up for that? He didn't sign up for that. So here, if you didn't sign up for it. But you know there were some Pharisees, and they were seeing this, and they didn't like Jesus. No, they didn't like Jesus at all. And they looked at Jesus, and they said to Jesus, Jesus, tell them to be quiet. Tell them to be quiet. Because they knew Zechariah 9.9. And they knew that these people were acting as if Jesus was fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. Which means he's the king. Which means he's salvation. Which means he's just. And they didn't like that at all. Because they hated Jesus. And they told Jesus, tell them to be quiet. Tell them to be quiet. Tell them to be quiet. But you know what Jesus told them? Jesus told them that if these were to hold their peace, that the rocks would cry out. The rocks would cry out. He basically was saying that if these people and these children were to stop their singing and their praising of him and their crying of Hosanna, Hosanna, that nature would start singing Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, Hosanna means what again? What's Hosanna mean? Save us now. Save us now. Save us now. What do you think we all need to be saved from? Do we need to be saved from Romans? No. Is there anything we need Jesus to save us from? Yeah. Did you hear what he said? The curse of sin. We need to be saved from sin. So did all of the children that day. So do all the children here. So do all of the children need to be saved from sin. I need to be saved from sin. And all of your moms and dads need to be saved from sin. Everybody needs Hosanna. Save now, save now. And the truth is, only Jesus, only Jesus, only Jesus can save us. Everybody's celebrating. But here, now wait. You guys are all think this is a happy day, right? 
This is exciting. I mean, this is amazing. This is a day of celebration. <gasps> but if you look at Jesus up there, you, you, you can't see really in this one, but do you know what he's doing? Do you know what he's doing? How many of you know what he's doing? Some of you know, some of you don't. Well, what's he doing? What's he doing? Say it louder. He's crying. Edith, do you think this is a good day to be crying? How about you, Philip? You think this is a good day to be crying? What's this day? This is a day. What's Zechariah 9:9 say? What's the first word of Zechariah 9:9? Look and as soon as you see it, shout it out. Rejoice, rejoice, wait. Wait a minute. The king is coming. And everybody's rejoicing. And he's crying. Do you know why he's crying? Why is he crying? Because in their heart they don't really mean it. She said, because in their heart they don't really mean it. Is she right? Yeah. See, they want him to save them from the big, bad, mean Romans. I'm not saying all of them. Most of them did. Most of them. And even though they were fulfilling prophecy this day, they did not understand what they were doing. Many of them didn't. I'm not going to say all of them, because I think some did. And some didn't really realize what was going on. But Jesus is crying. So let's take and put the palm branches down here on the front, front row, and then you guys go sit back down in your seats, okay? Because we're going to talk now about why was Jesus crying? In Luke chapter 19, it tells us that the people were saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Hosanna! It tells us in Matthew they cried in Mark. Hosanna! Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! Hosanna! You know Jesus was coming to be their king. He was coming to save them. But they needed saving from something far worse than the Romans. They needed saving from sin. And you know what? Just as all the people there that day, all the people here this day, in fact, all people who've ever lived except for that one who's just, Jesus has sinned. We have all disobeyed God. We have broken his law, his commands. We have made him sad. We've disobeyed our parents. We've told lies. We've coveted, wanted things that are not ours. We've said unkind things. There's so many things we've done wrong. We all are sinners, and we all need Hosanna. We all need salvation. We all need save, save now. And so, this morning, have we 
in our hearts rejoiced in the true Hosanna, in the true Son of David? Because you know what happened here. These crowd, many of them here are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I don't know how many of these were in that crowd that came just a few days later because you know in Jerusalem, just a few days after this, there was another crowd. It was a big crowd. And I don't know how many of them were the same people. I know some of them were the same. But that day, when they're looking at Jesus, they're not shouting Hosanna. Save, save, save. Do you know what they're shouting? Crucify him! Crucify him! Kill him! And Jesus knows that. And that's one reason why he's crying. And he's, he's on that donkey, and, and the picture here doesn't show it real well, but in Jerusalem, Jerusalem sits up on Mount Zion. And there's this valley that comes down, and the temple sits there right at the top, right, right up at the top. There's this valley that comes down, comes back up the other side. And up here is the Mount of Olives. Jesus is coming down that hill of the Mount of Olives and getting ready to come back up Mount Zion. And he's crying as he looks at the beautiful city. And the city of Jerusalem this time in history was magnificent. Gorgeous city. And it tells us in Luke 19, 41, that when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. He cried, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the thing which belong unto thy peace. Jerusalem means the city of peace. Salem. But now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground. You know what that's describing? A siege. Jesus is describing that Jerusalem will be besieged, that an army will come surround that city. They'll dig their trenches, they'll foxholes, and they'll win because they'll lay the city level with the ground. That means they're going to knock down all of the buildings, and it's going to be level with the ground. And look at verse 44. And thy children with thee. They shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. In the Bible, when we read about visitation, it speaks of a visit of either peace and blessing or a visit of judgment. And on this day is a visit of peace and blessing. And you would think that the people are receiving him, and many did, but many did not. 
Some were there and understood they needed a savior from sin. But I think most were there thinking that they needed a savior from Rome. And Jesus on this day foretold an event that would happen in AD 70 when the Romans, whom they wanted salvation from, would come to Jerusalem and do just as Jesus promised. It would be a visitation of judgment then. And much of that, Jesus said, is coming because they do not know their day of visitation today, a visitation of peace. So what's all this have to do with us 2,000 years later? Do we long for Hosanna in our hearts? And I mean the true Hosanna. Save now. Lord Jesus, save us from sin. Do we each realize, do we believe that we are all sinners? I am a sinner. I have disobeyed God. Every one of you are a sinner. And every one of us deserve the wages of sin, which is death. And not only physical death, but what the Bible calls the second death, which is a judgment in the lake of fire forever and ever. Do we need Hosanna from the lake of fire? Yes, we need Hosanna. Salvation. Have we cried Hosanna from our hearts? Not just in our lips. Sometimes people will pray out to God, oh, save me from this problem, from this disease, from this trouble. And there's nothing wrong with crying out that God save you from a disease or a problem or a trouble. But have we also humbled ourselves to realize that we have a big, 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 big problem of sin and a, a coming judgment for sin? And do we cry out, Hosanna, from our hearts? Save now. Save now, Jesus. Save now. Just a few days after this, Jesus on one of those hills outside Jerusalem, was crucified. His body was torn up. He was nailed to a cross, and he died. And he willingly died, because he knew that when he died, he died for our sins. All those people there that day, both those who believed in him, those who believed in him and didn't really know what they were believing in, all these people, they, he died for them. Even he died for those Pharisees who told him to tell everybody to be quiet. He died for them all because they were all sinners. He died for me. He died for every one of us because all of us are sinners. But what happened three days later? What happened three days later? Micaiah? He arose. He rose from the dead, so you know what? He can now be true Hosanna for every one of us. And there's a day coming when Jesus actually is described as riding on a horse. And he's coming back. He's going to end up at Jerusalem. And it's kind of interesting that when he comes back the next time, he's coming back 
as the conquering king. And uh, Alexander the Great thought he was pretty great on his war horse. He was nothing compared to when Jesus comes back riding on that white horse. But have you cried Hosanna from your heart? Have you believed in your heart that you are a sinner and that you deserve to be judged? Do you believe in your heart that you deserve to go to the lake of fire? Do you believe that Jesus died for you and that he rose from the dead so that he could save you both from your sin and from the punishment of sin in the lake of fire? If you believe that in your heart, you can cry Hosanna. You can say, save now. Save now. And he will save you. And you know what? This is Palm Sunday. And so we remember this day and we rejoice and we celebrate that Jesus is the King of Kings, that he's coming back as King of Kings. We celebrate this day that he is the one who is just. We celebrate this day that he is... He is the Savior. But you know, every day we need to celebrate him as the Savior because Jesus has the power not only to save us from the lake of fire, but he has the power to save us each and every day from the power of sin. Sometimes we go through life and we do the things we know we ought not to do, and sometimes we don't do the things we know we ought to do, both are sin. And you know why that happens? It happens because in that moment, we don't see Jesus as Hosanna. When we sin, we don't see Jesus. We don't in our hearts in that moment are believing him as the Hosanna. Because if we did, we would let him obey we would let him who lives inside of us obey. We would let him be. Hosanna. 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 So let's every day, all the time, shout, Hosanna. Hosanna. But may it be from our hearts. True, true. From our hearts. Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you this day and praise you for your goodness and your love. We give thanks to you that indeed you are Hosanna, that indeed you are just, indeed you are lowly and humble. You indeed are our Savior. And may we truly from our hearts seek you as Hosanna, our salvation. We need your salvation, both judicially in the big way from the saving of the lake of fire, but we need you as Hosanna every day to save us from our times of unbelief and to save us from our times of disobedience and sin. May we obey you and day by day, moment by moment, abide in you as our Hosanna. We love you and we praise you. We commit the rest of this day to you. In your name we pray, amen.